Father, I pray, how I pray, that you would be alive in us, that we would offer our lives as a living, daily sacrifice to you, and that people would see the life difference that you're making in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. You may be seated, and welcome to those of you online. Thanks for making time to be here today. Before we jump into our prayer time, I want to set it up. And uh, this should not surprise you, but I am so proud to be a part of the Nuka family. Um, a church that involved locally and globally, that we move not just inside and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but to say people who don't know Jesus need to know him. And living our daily lives in such a way that they see the night and day difference that Jesus has made in us. And so we always talk about genuine faith. More than anything else, we want you to know Jesus Christ. More than anything else, we want you to know him. We want you to be in authentic relationships. Uh, We all need one another and to speak truth and to encourage, uh, but meaningful impact and as I look at this right now, just in the New Cup family, listen, this is just amazing. And when I get done, you, you feel free to cheer, okay? So we've got a refugee family that's coming in, and guess what they're going to be welcomed with? An apartment that's filled because New Cove cared enough to say, I have this, I can take care of this, I can take care of that. And so what a scary situation for them to be in, to come into a place and there's a family, a church family called New Cove Community Church that cares and is entering into them. With the, in, into them. International students over Thanksgiving holiday, any day of the week, just invite one or two. Uh, again, the, the family just saying, our home is your home, and we just want to communicate that to you. Under all the seats, uh, Operation Christmas Child, Every box we bring is going to go towards the nine, they're anticipating 9.6 million children who will receive a box this year. And because of that, and, and our church is so involved with that, we're also a drop-off center, and we have opportunity to serve the week of the 14th on through the 21st. And you think, well, that doesn't matter. It does matter. To getting the boxes where they need to go. And so as, as you stop off, at, uh, at the foyer area, there's a place for you to say, I want to be a part of taking the message of Jesus Christ across the world. And I want us to pray specifically for our family in Central or Southeast Asia. Uh, they, I can't use their name for safety purposes, and you'll see this, but a year ago they said, and we've been in contact in relationship with this family uh, for over 13 years now, and they said, we'd have a need that's $4,000, and we want, it was COVID issue and, and in the area. And so we said, yeah, we'll take care of that. And we sent them a check for $17,000. And that, that's the new Cuff family at work. And I want us to spend a moment in praying for this family uh, many of you already know them by name, but they are in one of the most unreached uh, spots on the globe in terms of, of Jesus being made known. 
Uh, it's one, one of the most densely populated areas in the globe. That's why we are in, in contact with them, encouraging them. And it's one of the places on the globe where there's the most severe persecution. And what a privilege it is for the Nuka family, once again, uh, to pray for a family who's taken the name of Jesus to one of the most difficult areas. And so there are going to be three different uh, prayer times. And I'd like for you, if you're comfortable, to pray with the person you came with or uh, if seated closest to the person around them. If you're comfortable praying out loud, we'll have the prayer directives. And just go ahead and pray out loud all at the same time. I'll tell us when to go. And, uh, and then I'll take us to the next thing. But our first, uh, if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, no big deal. God knows your heart. And so we want to be a church that prays and prays for the needs of those who are being persecuted. So, uh, Anitra, if you'll put up our first slide. So uh, we want to pray for the upcoming elections in this northern province of where they are. Uh, the elections are huge. Uh, the elections are the main causes for the growing persecution among uh, the Christians there. And you can see... Uh, what needs to happen. Even two months ago, one of the newly built grass hut churches among the slums was burned down by a fanatic group. It is, it's serious, but God hears the prayer. So let's pray, pray as you feel led, and then I'll take us to our next slide. Father, thank you that you have placed one of our dear friends uh, in an area where the light of Jesus needs to be seen. And we pray for the elections. God, I pray that there would be freedom for believers to share their gospel, that they would be free to, uh, to meet without fear of their church being burned down or being imprisoned. And that's happening right there. I pray you'd give them courage. I pray that you would give them strength. I pray that you would meet their needs. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our second prayer directive, as we talked with them this week, they talked about threatened, they're being threatened consistently to stop praying as a, as a, as a group. Uh, police arrested one of the leaders sharing the gospel. He was tortured and then asked to sweep the entire campus of the police station in that province. Uh, health issues are still huge. And... Uh, the house situation, the landlord's making life harder. Where they are, they actually have nine children that are living with them. They're on three stories, and the landlord uh, came in and just said, you need to move off the second floor. You can have first and third. We're taking back over, and your kids are making too much noise. And so they're having difficulty there, so let's pray. Father, I pray for protection for not just this family that we love and know and invest in, but other followers of Jesus who are uh, taking a stand and paying a cost and a price. God, I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would give them courage. I pray that you'd give them boldness, give them wisdom in knowing how best to respond. Father, I pray that uh, the New Cove would be the kind of church that they know uh, that we care about them and love them and want to meet their needs. Father, we pray for their health. Protect them. God, all the health issues that still are uh, plethora, a plethora of them uh, sick, and I pray for healing. 
praise in Jesus' name. And our last prayer directive. They have some construction needs as they still continue to say we want to uh, build churches. Um, the pastor that we're in contact with has been sick and has still has some uh, issues. And then the children that they have in their home for health and their studies and uh, the needs that they have. So let's pray for them. Father, Jesus said, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and the, and the righteousness of God, and then needs will be taken care of. And I pray that you would meet the needs for this family and the many other families that this family just represents one of. I pray for protection for their kids. I pray that they would be healthy. I pray that they'd be well clothed. And Father, I pray that you would... Uh, you would meet their needs. And Father, in particular, I pray for the salvation of their landlord, that he would come to know Jesus, that he would see the night and day difference that Jesus makes in this family. And Father, I pray that it wouldn't stop there, but I pray that this um, part of Asia would be on fire for you and that nothing could stop the gospel. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine you're asked with writing a letter of encouragement to a group of people who are in distress, who live on the margins of society. They face imprisonment. They're falsely accused of all kinds of things. Uh, some uh, have been attacked. Others have been martyred. And uh, they're followers of Jesus, and they're because of their relationship with Jesus, they're being attacked. Imagine you are instructed to write them a letter of encouragement. What would you say to them in the middle of this cultural war? What strikes me about the, the letter of 1 Peter is that he is encouraging the suffering believers of, of, of this first century to be fo focused totally on living a distinctive life. And I'm thinking of all the things that he could say, which might be run, hide, get out of there. He's talking about that they need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that Jesus makes a difference in their ordinary day-in, day-out life. They're, they're eating, they're sleeping, they're going to bed, they're waking up. That their entire life has lived in such a way that people see the night and day difference that Jesus makes in their life. In fact, what we're coming up with that we've seen in, in First Peter is the more conflicted our culture, the more one person can stand out as a unique carrier of hope. Now that is a perspective. Because many of us uh, are not living even near the, in, in a situation like our prayer time was earlier. But we are in difficult times. And many of you are in difficult situations to, at home or in, at work or in your neighborhood. Or, or you feel that, that in terms of our nation, you feel that things are just not going the way that you would like them to go. And yet what I want to encourage you with is the more conflicted the culture is where you are, the greater the opportunity you can stand at as a unique carrier of hope. Now, I come back to this verse, and I don't want it to frustrate you. I want it to encourage you. While our goal is to get through 1 Peter before Jesus returns, I don't, I, my goal is not to hurry up and get through it. I want it to get into us. I want us to get into the passage 
And so I keep coming back to 1 Peter 2, 9. For you are a chosen people. God has chosen you. He loves you. You are chosen by the creator of the universe. This is amazing news. Even in a hard culture, you and again, we know in, in First Peter, first, first century, times were difficult. And he reminds him, you are chosen by God. In fact, you are royal representatives. You are a holy nation. Remember, holy doesn't mean perfect. It just means that you're maturing and that your life is set apart from everybody else. You live a distinct life. You handle conflict differently than others around you. And he reminds you, you're, very, you're God's very own possession. Think about this. No, you will go nowhere where you are alone. You may feel alone, but the presence of the power, the presence and power of Jesus Christ, the one who was raised from the dead, lives in you. You are not alone. So he reminds you, wherever you go, whatever the difficult time is, you're God's very own possession. And as a result of that, that you're chosen, that you're a royal representative, that you are set apart, that God possesses you, verse 9 still says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. You can show others the night and day difference God makes in your life. That is incredible. So Peter points out, if you know who you are, then you'll know how to live. And who you are, you're chosen, you're a royal priest, you're set apart, you're God's own, filled by, by, the, by God's presence, and he's making a difference in your life. And so as we looked at it, he calls us to live out of who we are. And said, he doesn't say, watch out, the bad guys are coming. Instead, he just simply says that you have a way to live a life that, is, that makes an eternal difference. So, that's not to say there aren't real issues, but what he's saying is there's a bigger picture than just our current cultural problems that is going on around us. And he's working out his plans. In fact, this is kind of where we ended last week, other than do not vote. Um, and by the way, those of you who texted me, at 10.28 on Sunday morning th saying, thank you for reminding us not to vote. I don't care what you say, I'm going to vote. I appreciate your sarcasm and humor. Anyway, vote. There's a bigger picture than just voting. Yes, we should vote. We should be informed. But remember, he tells us that we are to live our lives as a way that we don't slander others and that how we live, we show respect regardless of whether we agree or disagree. But he's saying there's a bigger picture because we don't know from one election to the next who's going to be in the Oval Office or any office for the matter, but we always know who's on the throne. Yes? And so we, he's, just, he's just drawing it up, going, there's a bigger picture here. There's a bigger picture. God is at work. He's not freaking out. The character of God's kingdom people in any age must be holy, must be set apart. We must be consistently uh, uh, maturing. So last week we talked about Nero. Remember, he's a horrible, horrible guy. Let me add to the, the, the list of things that he used to do the, in that uh, back in the first century. If people had, uh, had a birth of a child that was defected in some way, had a physical defect, they, it was not uncommon, not always, but not uncommon for them to take that child out in the wilderness and leave it out in the wilderness to die. 
Guess who went out into the wilderness on child hunting expeditions? The followers of Jesus, the people of Jesus. They showed up, they found those children, brought them in, adopted them as their own, because that's what Jesus did. He adopted us, he went out, he found us, he adopted them as their own, and that is where the very beginning of orphanages started because of the people like New Cove, right? People who say, Jesus matters, and I want to make a difference wherever, wherever you have me. Women did not have any rights at that time. They've joined, they become a follower of Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, you're equal. We're all equal. There's no one greater than another. We're all equal. And so he raised the level of women. Uh, uh, widows were had to, uh, when their husband died, they were just cast aside unless they could find someone to take them in. Guess who took them in? Followers of Jesus. This is amazing. Followers of Jesus were living a distinct life. They were living lives that were different. It matters how we live our day in and day out life. Why? Because you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation. You are possessed by God so that others can see the night and day difference that Jesus makes in your life. So Peter continues this talk about how do you respect people around you. He started at the government side of life and saying respect those whom God has allowed to be in leadership. But then in verse chapter 2, verse 18, he, uh, in following, he says, Slaves... In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. For not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Now, the Bible is not saying that slavery is right, not by any stretch. He was saying that was what was going on at the time. They were more like indentured uh, servants at the time. But anyway, they, they had some of those who were, in, who were indentured who had their, their leader, their owner, so to speak, who were good to them and others who weren't good. And here's what he says. Out of your fear for God, again, raises the level, raises a higher, a higher call. Out of your fear for God, out of recognizing that God is in control and will always be in control, out of your fear for him, submit yourselves. Again, here comes that word, submit. It's a present middle voice, meaning it's an ongoing decision you make, and it's a decision that you make is not forced on you. So it's a voluntar- voluntarily decide to yield an ongoing decision you make to place the needs of another ahead of yours. Why? Verse 19, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, like the family we've been praying for, because they are conscious of God. Again, raising the, the perspective. It's God. We keep our eyes on God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? If you suffer for doing good and endure it, that's commendable before God. We're saying that our focus needs to be on God. What does God's Word have to say? Which is why we're teaching how to read the Bible for all it's worth on Wednesday nights at 6.30 here. It's how to properly read God's Word. To this, verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, here it is. He leaves us as an example that we should follow his steps. What did he do? He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. Who had the right to say all kinds of things against those against him? 
No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, here it is, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to the one who sits on the throne. He himself, he bore our sins in his, in his body on the cross that we, should might, that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds, by his dying on the cross, we've been healed. We're all like sheep going astray, but we've returned to the shepherd, the overseer of our souls. This perspective, living in a harsh, hard, hard situation. Keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes upon God. Why? Because you're chosen. You are a royal representative of God. You are set apart. God possesses you so that you can show others around you the night and day difference Jesus is making in your life. Then he, he then begins to move, said, all right, let's talk to the women. Hope we have enough time to get to the men part, but we have time for women. <laughs> First Peter 3, 1, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, if any of them are not, if you're married to a non-believer, that they may be won over without words by the behavior of your life. That they can see the people around you, in this case your non-believing husband, sees the night and day difference that Christ makes in your life. The word submit, same thing. It is the present middle voice, meaning present, ongoing, because as you all know, it is, not difficult. it is difficult to be married to your spouse, I'm sure. And so as a result of that, it is an ongoing decision you make to voluntarily put their needs above your own. On my way home most every day, I pray because I know my tendency is to be very selfish and self-centered. And so as I pray, I have enough time to get my heart right to say, God, help me to serve when I get home and not expect to be served. Help me to serve. Now, no one talk to Karen because that, that, that will not help the situation here. But at least until I get home, that is because it doesn't come natural for me to serve. And so I voluntarily, I make the decision, say, God, when I get home, help me to say, how may I serve? Or to be smart enough to look around and see obvious areas where I may serve. And it's saying for the wives that you voluntarily decide it's an ongoing decision you make. And then he also says, in the same way. You keep hearing that, in the same way he talked to the slaves. In the same way as what? Of what, the, of, of what we did with our government. In the same way as what? In the same way that we yield to God. In the same way, with the, when that phrase, here's what it means. When it's not convenient, put the needs of your spouse before yours. It's just so much easier when it's convenient. But I've not ever noticed serving to be convenient. Have you? It's just so much better to sit back and just let someone else serve. But that's not living a distinct life. And so what it means, ladies, as we continue to address it, it says, leaning in instead of being immovable, engaging instead of disengaging, because you're married to a husband who might be clueless. Pursuing instead of distancing. If everything rises and falls on, on, on keeping score, you're in a reciprocating relationship 
and reciprocating relationships are doomed to die because you'll, be, you'll always be disappointed. Submissiveness in a marriage means asking God daily how he would have you treat or serve your spouse versus convenience, your rights, your desires. And again, why? Why? It's not fair. It's not fair. Verse 15. Then, if someone refuses to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. They notice. Why? Because you are a chosen person of God. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation. You're, very, you're possessed by God so that the, your spouse can see the night and day difference Jesus is making in your life. Now, submitting does not mean putting your spouse as the center of your life. That place belongs to Jesus. We serve others as a result of our reverence for God. Spouses make good friends and loved ones, but they make terrible messiahs. Life is only found in Jesus. So it's not saying you put your spouse and your world revolves around your spouse. Your, your world revolves around Jesus Christ. We have such a tendency to put our unrealistic expectations on our spouse thinking they're the fourth member of the, of the Trinity. And that just is not a good place for them to be. They will not be invited, nor will you. I like the way Paul Tripp put it. He said, in our relationships, we often try to drink from a dry well and then wonder why we come up thirsty. Putting your spouse as a center of your life is like going to a dry well and expecting to be uh, your thirst taken care of. Your thirst your life is only be taken care of as a result of knowing Jesus Christ. Let me quickly just tell you that he then speaks in verses 3 to 6. He just says, work on the, exterior, on the interior. The exterior will take care of itself. Work on the interior. Men, verse 7, in the same way, when it's not convenient, in the same way. Husbands, honor your wives. Treat your wife in an understanding way. She may be weaker than you, speaking physically, not always, but some, most of the time. She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you would so your prayers will not be hindered. Again, to, when he talks about give honor, guess what it is? It is the present middle uh, voice, meaning you make that decision you, that you will honor her, that you will set her aside, and that you will voluntarily self limit. It means that we are to do everything we can to try to understand her. The best way to be under, understanding is to be curious, ask all kinds of questions. Great couples ask questions, they explore each other's hearts and minds on deeper levels. Again, Karen and I do not have uh, a market on this by any stretch, but over the season of our 42 years, we have reinvented our relationship numerous times because seasons change, and so the needs change. And so we have these, these questions that we, we talk to each other about and figure out how are we going to make sure that Christ is center in our relationship? How do we make sure that we're meeting each other's needs? What does it look like in this season? So we reinvent ourselves, and I... To be con- 
totally candid as I have been in other settings. Uh, we're not beyond seeing a counselor. We've seen a counselor a couple times in our marriage as well because we needed it. We kept hitting the same wall over and over again, and Karen would admit that it was her fault. And so <laughs> I need a place to hang out this afternoon. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Do you realize how we treat others is a reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, what, what an opportunity for us to treat those who, have, who are in, in our concentric circle of relationships that we put their needs above our own. Not because they deserve it, but out of reverence for Jesus Christ. We say, I want to live my life in such a way, in this hard situation, in this hard situation, in that hard situation. I want to be teachable. I want to serve so that they will see the night and day difference Jesus made in my life. I also heard it put this way, that it's a whole lot easier to treat your spouse the way you should when you keep in mind you're married to a child of God. I'm married to a daughter of the creator of the universe. Therefore, I need to treat her that way. I'd like for our worship team to come up, but I'd like for you to write these questions down or, or these statements. I got this uh, from Kurt and Roseanne Liesfeld a couple years ago. And they have stayed with me, and I just think they are so good. Here it is. This will be great discussion for those of you who are married. You get the best of me when? And have that discussion. You get the worst of me when? You can, you can count on me to? And this is what I need from you. This has been so helpful as we've reinvented our relationship numerous times depending on the seasons that we fall into. You get the best of me when. You get the worst of me when. You can count on me too. And this is what I need from you. It would be my privilege to pray for our relationships right now. Father, out of reverence for you, may our hope be in you May it not be in someone else. And Father, anytime we begin, I begin to put Karen or the church in a place where it does not belong, God, I, I, I pray that you would tap on my mind's eye so quickly and that I would put you as a center and that I would be quick to serve and not expect to be served. And, Father, not for anything that I may gain from it. Father, my desire and my desire for the New Cove Family Church, God, is that we would live our lives in such a way that they would see the night and day difference and wonder why is New Cove the way they are? Why are you the way you are? Father, would you bring healing to relationships in this room? Father, would you bring teachability to this room? Would you bring respect? Would you res bring forgiveness? Father, may we conduct ourselves out of, our, out of the impact and influence that you have in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I shared last week, again, I, I, I don't know if I can ever brag too much on New Cub, but your giving matters. And we're about to give uh, opportunity to give our offerings. Uh, your consistent giving just makes a difference. Please don't think it doesn't. And as we reach out and go 
locally and globally, it's because of you that we're able to do that. So thank you for your giving.